I don't know if uh, you've experienced this uh, where you have like a, a sleepless night. So maybe you're trying to like get your brain to calm down or whatever, you go out, maybe flip on the TV just to kill some time. And if it's late at night, um, oftentimes on various channels for whatever reason, like when they're kind of done with their regular programming, they'll have these kind of extended infomercial, commercial kind of things. And um, they're always trying to sell you either some kind of like uh, investment strategy that guarantees like you're gonna get rich or some workout program that guarantees you're gonna have six pack abs or uh, some diet strategy that, that guarantees you're gonna look like a model. Whatever it is, there's always kind of this really um, like high standard, like these promises that they make, right? And I don't know if you've ever fallen prey to any of these. Um, I may or may not have purchased P90X at one time in my life. Big, uh, big mistake. Uh, after two days, I nearly died and I sold it on eBay. So um, lesson learned. But if you've ever seen these infomercials, you notice that there's a disclaimer that comes somewhere along the ways. Like where after selling you on this amazing lifestyle where you have your private jet and you're out on your yacht and all these different things, There'll be somewhere along the way where it makes the statement results are not guaranteed, right? Which makes you question all of the promises that, that have been made. Now hang on to that for a second. This, because this fall we have been in a series here where we have been reminding ourselves and, and gathering around once again our collective purpose as the church and how we specifically are attempting to live this out at Chapel Street in Kane County here in, in Mill Creek what this looks like in our lives so we've talked a bit about the neighborhood church vision and what that means and and what we're doing here we've talked a bit about even um, how at the heart of the neighborhood church vision isn't for campuses but really it is individual families and, and people who are living out kingdom priorities in their homes so that our chapels are, or our homes are effectively chapels on our streets. That this is being integrated into kind of way, way, way beyond four campuses, but, but all throughout King County in our homes, in our lives, in our workplaces. And so the church then is this gathered group, this committed community of Jesus followers. And what's happening, hopefully, in this space is that we, as we continue to seek after him, we are being formed and shaped more and more into the image of Jesus, who's not only saved us by his grace, but then also subsequently invites us into this world-transforming purpose that he has. So the last two weeks in this series that we're wrapping up today We've spent time talking about these uh, practices of spiritual formation. In fact, we put up this, this logo, this emblem. It's like a, um, what we call like the discipleship pathway that we've been working through. So we've talked about it in these categories that we say often around here about being a place where you experience grace and you grow in your faith and you make an impact and talked about some of the ways in which we can build those into our lives. We can partner with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So uh, last week, Pastor Joe used the reference of a 6G lifestyle, these pillars of spiritual formation. And again, this is, this is nothing new to us. We didn't invent this. Like, this isn't some creative thing that, 
that we get to put in front of you guys, but rather these are practices that the church has been utilizing since its very beginning. And we started looking all the way back in, in Acts chapter 2. They've, they've sought to live in these things and to experience these things as they continue to grow in the way of Jesus. And I think sometimes when we talk about things like this and, and talk about discipleship in our lives, what it means to live as an apprentice of Jesus, sometimes I think we're asking ourselves the question in the back of our head, like what, are, what is the outcome of this? What are the results? And, and are those results guaranteed? Or what type of results are guaranteed? And I think it's a fair question. And I, I think it's an important question because here's the deal, right? The outcomes or the results of, of discipleship, of the discipleship pathway, isn't the promise of a particular version of our lives that we have imagined for ourselves, right? It's not this idea of some kind of sanitized blend of the Christian life that removes suffering and, and difficulty and happens to kind of closely resemble something more akin to the American dream like that's not the promise of it right not only are those results not guaranteed I think if we have any kind of honest read of the New Testament we should be prepared to expect things very different than that right that's never cast in front of us as this vision of the way of Jesus but rather instead the promise or the results that these practices, this discipleship pathway, what it leads us into is, is the promise of more of him. That we experience more of him in our lives, more of his purpose, more of the meaning that he has for us. And again, this, this list is not exhaustive. It's not this full-scale approach to every practical or spiritual discipline. But if we read the story of the Gospels and, and we look at the history of the early church, they are depicted as foundational. It's depicted as these rhythms and practices that are built into our lives in order to help us experience grace, in order to help us grow in our faith, and ultimately that, that this mission would continue to advance as, as we make an impact, both collectively together, holistically as a body, but then also in our personal lives. So real quickly, I want to just take two minutes uh, to just recap kind of where we've been up to this point as we've talked about this. Because two weeks ago, when we were looking kind of under this header of experience grace, we talked about the practices of gather for worship and share the gospel. Of course, gathering for worship, is, it's what we're doing right now. We talked about, again, from Acts chapter 2 and from 1 Peter, we talked about how together matters. How Peter, when he's describing the church, talks about us being this royal priesthood, this holy nation. It's all plural. It's collective. And in this space together, right, that we have the opportunity to care for each other and build community to, to preach the gospel to each other. Like that's, that's what we do in, in this space and it's necessary and it's important. So we lift high the name of Jesus and worship and we come back to the truth of God's worth and we collectively receive that together. But not only is the gospel to be preached here, right? It's, it's as we preach it to each other, it's meant to send us with that purpose. So as we have opportunity in the world around us, we get to tell the story. 
when, when Peter uses those examples of a royal priesthood and a holy nation and all of that, he then starts to instruct us on, on how to live as the church. And he's doing this under, the church is facing very difficult circumstances. But he's saying, live this honorable life. And as you live in the way of Jesus, people are going to start to notice that your hope is in something greater than yourself. And it's going to generate some questions. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says to the church, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. That we're going to have opportunities as, as we go live in the way of Jesus where people are going to say, tell me about this. Tell me why you did this. Tell me why in the midst of this challenge or difficulty, you continued to move forward with purpose. Like, help me understand. And you're going to have a chance to say, well, let me tell you how Jesus has flipped my life upside down. And so we share the gospel. Then last week, Pastor Joe was preaching under this category of growing in our faith. He talked about the opportunity to build into our lives this personal habit where we grow spiritually through consistent time spent in God's word, through consistent time in prayer, how as much as we have this corporate gathered relationship, we also have this personal individual relationship. Right, we, we come back to the story of Jesus again and again to remind us of who our God is and how much he loves us and teaches us how to live according to his way. And then, of course, Joe spent uh, time talking about the importance of connecting in groups. While this community matters, it's, it's important, it's vital. It is also vital that there is some place in your life where somebody knows your story where somebody's walking with you, where you're doing life together. Joe preached from Ephesians chapter 3, where he talked about being rooted and established in, in God's love. Sometimes as a church, we talk about this as a circle of belonging, meaning when, when we see people come into our church and, and maybe their first experience of it is, is a large group experience like this, like our effort as staff here at Mill Creek, I'm like letting you in on kind of insider information here, is, is we're trying to move you from kind of this degree of connection into a place where you're, somebody knows your story. Like if, if there's a joy in your life or a difficulty that you're walking through that we can look and say like we have a, a solid confidence that this group of people is going to journey with them in this. Because it is impossible for us to do that. As, as one whole large group. So we encourage you to, to connect in groups. So today, for our time together, I wanna look at this third category, which we talk about as making an impact. And under this, these practices that we're gonna talk about today are the practices of go and serve and give generously. So service and, and giving. I think honestly, we probably, we had five G's and one S, and so we just had to put the word go in front of serve Otherwise, it would, it would just never make sense, right? So we're going to talk about this, this idea of, of being called to serve and being called to generosity. And I want to do so primarily from the words of, of Jesus as he taught his disciples to live according to the kingdom, kingdom that he had established. And let me just say, I, I understand, particularly when we're looking at this on, on, in this area, Right, if there is a part of you that um, is maybe that like, it, it could be a cynical side or it really could also be like hurt side that looks at these two categories and says like, I, I, I know what's coming. 
Like this is when the pastor stands up and asks for more of my time and more of my money. And I don't have more of either of those to give. And I just want, I want you to hear me say that I understand that and I, I see that. And at the same time, my goal, my desire for us is to experience the way that Jesus reframes our understanding of what it means to serve and to give. That, that I believe that Jesus is offering us something in that we experience more of his meaning and kingdom purpose. And that's, that's the invitation that I hope to communicate today. So let's start by turning to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. This is in chapter 20. Um, this will ring familiar to some of you because uh, Jesus has um, been in a conversation with some of the disciples' mom. And she comes to Jesus and she wants to advocate that in when Jesus establishes his kingdom, that her sons would receive a place of prominence within that kingdom. And, and Jesus, again, is kind of like, you're not, you're not understanding what I'm, I'm, I'm doing here. And the other disciples hear about this and they get upset. So Jesus, again, kind of has to sit them down. And this is where we're picking up the conversation in verse 25. Jesus says this. He said, Jesus called them over. And he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to, be great, to become great among you must become a servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, um, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's begin by looking in this, this area of go and serve. And um, I want to start by just, we've, we've put up these definitions every week, but I want to just, by what we're talking about here. So here's our conviction. As followers of Jesus, we understand that God has work for us to do. And we believe that God has called us to go and serve our church, our community, our neighbors, and our world. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I really kind of had to fight the temptation to try to offer like a, a comprehensive, uh, fully fleshed out vision of, of serving in this. And, and we don't have time to accomplish all of that this morning. But instead, I, I want to just sort of hone in on, on how Jesus reframes our idea of what it means to serve. And I, I would venture to guess that all of us can think of an experience where you have walked into a room and you immediately begin to kind of assess like where you land in that space, right? You're looking at who across the room is like the power player. It's who in the room, like you might have more kind of quote unquote status. Like where do I, where do I land in this hierarchy every culture every subculture like it, it, these things happen naturally and i would love to tell you that like when you get a group of pastors together that it's different right but it's it's not like inevitably like it we, there can be like this turn in conversations where it's like well how how big is your church or how many people follow your podcast or whatever and and you get this kind of uneasy sense of of where do i stack up in the midst of this and see jesus here his point with his disciples is that they have been operating with this 
counterfeit, knockoff understanding of what it means to be great. Once again, Jesus, he takes this understood definition of greatness, and now he's going to flip the narrative. And as evidence to this, this new model, this new understanding of what greatness means, Jesus is going to put, point them to his own presence with them. Because the whole understanding of how humanity relates to deity, right, was that humanity is there, it exists to serve the deity. So the way that you operated would be that, that you want to bring enough offering, that you want to do enough good to appease the deity in the hopes that somehow you're going to acquire the said deity's blessing and, and protection over you. But Jesus says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but rather to serve. And not only to serve, he's going to offer up his life as a ransom for many. Right? So notice in Jesus' reframing of their understanding of greatness, of their understanding of service, Jesus isn't operating out of the absence of authority. It's not because he's not serving because he lacks the resources to, to be served. It's not a, a power issue or a position issue. He's clearly, as the Son of God, has all of that. Jesus, Jesus doesn't serve because he lacks these things. On the contrary, the vision that Jesus sets before his disciples is that greatness is the application of who you are and what you have been given for the benefit of others. Serving is an expression in that regard of generosity. So he says, in the world, right, he says, you, you know how it is. The, the Gentile rulers lorded over them. They have this definition of greatness that they operate in. And their definition says, it's greatness is my ability to spend others for the sake of myself. And Jesus says, kingdom greatness, on the other hand, is the opportunity to spend self for the benefit and the advancement of others. And this is, as everything that we've talked about over these last few weeks, this is the byproduct, it's the result of grace in our lives. Peter, again, back in, in 1 Peter, when he's writing the early church and, and describing um, life in that culture, how to live in the way of Jesus in a culture that does not adapt the way of Jesus, right? When he's describing this, he says this in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received. So he's referencing here the uh, um, idea of spiritual gifts, that the Holy Spirit has empowered you for the purpose of serving, for the edification of the church, He's given you this. He said, you ought to use these gifts, look, to serve others. And notice this, the why here. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So Peter is saying when we serve, when we spend ourselves for the benefit and the advancement of others, we are stewarding God's grace to us. It is the experience of grace that we've talked about. It's this opportunity to grow in our faith, which ultimately produces the opportunity to make an impact. 
And throughout the New Testament, when, when this has been taught to the disciples, when it's been displayed by the church, we have seen it take place in two primary settings, right? One is here amongst this body, meaning that we are called to serve each other. The, the, the things that are required, right? When people are down there watching our kids so we can be in here to, to worship and grow together. When people are come early and make the coffee, when somebody's sick and, and somebody else shows up with a meal, we serve each other. And then additionally, then we leave this place in order to serve the world around us, our friends and our neighbors. We put on display, it's this declaration when we serve them of their intrinsic value as of image bearers of our God and of the generous grace that, that we ourselves have received. And it is expressly taught by Jesus to the men and women who, who wanted to live as his apprentices of what greatness looks like in his kingdom. And that's go and serve. So now let's talk a minute about, about give generously. About give generously. I uh, had the opportunity just this last week where it, I'd scheduled a couple of, of different dinners out of friends and that sort of thing. And in and, um, two separate occasions, I ordered um, steak. Um, wasn't my healthiest week. And I, on one occasion um, at this restaurant, the, the dinner came and it was these two like little medallions of, of filet. And it was delicious, well, perfectly cooked, seasoned, great, but it just wasn't a lot of it, right? So if you would have said to me like, hey, can I, can I taste your steak, right? Well, that would be, that'd be a little weird, I think, but like I would have, but it would have been a part of me that's like, I just don't, I don't have a lot of this to give, right? <laughs> the second dinner, and I had never experienced this before, this was the first time for me, was at one of these Brazilian steakhouses. Has anybody ever gone to one of these? So there's like endless steak there. Like you, you literally have a card that you turn over and if it's green, they just keep bringing hunks of meat on these rotisserie things and start shaving it onto your plate, right? And it, and it doesn't end until you turn your card over red. And, and this is clearly also an illustration of gluttony and there's like all kinds of, of problems with this. But if you had said to me in that situation, while it still might be weird, hey, can I taste your steak? Oh, of course. It just keeps coming. Right? There's, <laughs> have as much as you'd like. And, and when we talk about generosity, I, I want to talk about the scarcity mindset that we live in versus an abundance mindset. Let's look at this definition here. This definition of give. As followers of Jesus, we believe that, that our God... Uh, that God is our incredibly generous God, and we understand that when we give generously, it reflects his heart, it makes an impact in this world, and it's good for our souls. In fact, I really want to kind of hone in on that last part. Just one page earlier in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus has another encounter. This time it's, it's with uh, who we commonly know as the rich young ruler. Many of you, again, will be familiar with this story, but this man comes to Jesus and he says, what, what, what can I do, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, as, as Jesus frequently does, he sees through to the core issue in this man's life. He says, well, you know what, just essentially just be perfect. Live, keep the law perfectly and, and you're good. 
And this man, whether it's just out of like self-preservation or delusional, says, okay, I've done all of that. So then Jesus penetrates to the core heart issue. And he says, and this is in uh, Matthew 19, verse 21. He says, if you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, go and sell your belongings, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. Uh, if we had time today, I was going to go back to Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is, is teaching about how we store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. And, and what I wanted to demonstrate, what I want to show in the midst of this, is that when we look at this topic through the lens of Jesus, and we oftentimes think to ourselves like, what do I need to give God? What does he need for me? But in both of these instances, Jesus isn't attempting to take something from us. Did you notice that? But rather, it's something that he wants to give to us. Pastor Brian, years ago, when I was just starting here at Chapel Street, he did a series on, on generosity. In the midst of that series, he offered a definition um, as, uh, for this invitation of Jesus into generosity. Some of you might remember this if you've been around for a while. He described or defined generosity as freedom from smallness of heart. And that definition has stuck with me because it, I can be prone to operate in that scarcity mindset. That, that, that mindset that causes me to kind of cling to what it is that I have, to hold on to those things, right? So it's like, I don't there, I wish there was more, I do, but if I, if I let go of this, I'm not going to have enough. But that's this smallness of heart but when we begin to understand that that generosity flows out of the abundance of our god of what he has given to us we can be generous because our god is generous like god is not he is not in need of he's not interested in our stuff and our money he cares about our hearts and jesus invitation is that this is good for our hearts Again, to quote Jesus um, in the book of Acts, it is, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So let me wrap up with this real quickly here. Four, four things on, on generosity that I believe are at the heart of this. And I've already made this first point, but I'm just going to state it here. God is the author of generosity. God is the author of generosity. If we go back all the way into Genesis where we see the display of the garden, it's the abundance mindset. When you head into God leading the people into the promised land that's flowing with milk and honey, it's the, uh, it's the abundance mindset. When you see that, uh, the picture of the new heaven and the new earth in Revelation, God, it's, it's generosity on display. And again, I'm not, just, I'm not talking about kind of like a health and wealth gospel. I've already said that's not, that's not the promise. What it is, is that God is abundantly giving his grace. And James, he says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. The most famous passage, perhaps, in all of Scripture, that God so loved the world that he gave. It's who he is. It's what he does, because he lacks nothing. Two, is that we aren't meant to be in the business of, we are meant to be in the business of distribution, not of storage. Meaning that what God has poured out to us is uh, we are stewards of his grace. Like we are meant to be in the business of distributing it to others. Again, if we had time, we'd go back to Matthew chapter 6 and see that on display. 
Thirdly, and, and I'm quoting from uh, John Mark Comer here, but he says, generosity is the cure to the poison of greed. Meaning that, that this idea of freedom from smallness of heart is when we operate out of a scarcity mindset and we cling to what we have, right? It's, it's actually poisoning us. It, it, it's actually, and there's a great book called The Paradox of Generosity. The social science has actually demonstrated that what Jesus teach here is, is accurate, that, that, that there is a correlation between our capacity to be generous and our own understanding of joy and happiness in our lives. Um, it's, it's really fascinating. And finally this, grace is the generosity of God. All of this is based on God's grace for us and to us. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Jesus reframes giving in the heart of the disciple. He reframes it as an act of worship. He reframes that as a reflection of his heart to our world. And he re reframes it as a gift to us, not from us. As it relates to both serving and giving, Jesus has something that he wants to give to us. And we can trust him when we see it as our opportunity to share the abundance of God with the world around us. And so as we wrap up uh, this series on the six G's and on our purpose as a church and this discipleship pathway, I was, I was wrestling with how do we, we kind of encapsulate everything that we've talked about. And um, for our annual meeting a few weeks ago, we, we filmed a video with, with one of our families here in the church, just talking about what their experience at the Mill Creek campus has, has been like and, and what they've appreciated about it. And as I was watching this, I was, it sort of occurred to me that this is everything we've been talking about. It, it's their story. And as many of you know, Kyle and Nikki Matusik and um, and obviously in their video, they're very generous in, in their description of the Mill Creek campus. And, but this is not about us. And it's not even really about them. It's about what God has done through his Holy Spirit in their lives. And so let's allow their story to kind of remind us what all of this is about. My name is Kyle Matusik and I attend Mill Creek Campus. Uh, this is my wife, Nikki, and we've been coming here for about a year and a half. What I love most about this campus is the community aspect of it. You know, in society today, especially, we see a lot of brokenness, and I think Mill Creek really embodies the idea of being a community. From the community dinners, to hanging out after Sunday service, uh, to Sterling's preaching and Libby in the Child Care Center, it is a place that from day one, when you walk in the doors, you absolutely feel welcome. And so their motto is for where you are. And the reason why we love Mill Creek is because they accept us for where we are in our journey with God. And we never feel judged and we always feel welcome. And this is the first church where we actually want to call it our home. And for the model, uh, the motto just of Chapel Street for where you are, it, for us being new believers a little bit ago, you know, we didn't grow up this way and religion really wasn't a part and God wasn't a part of our lives. And just through our stories and the things we've experienced and the brokenness that we had as a couple, as individuals, and everything we've been through to come to a church that's for where you are, we don't care. Just walk in the door and then to meet 
people that are involved here and the teams and everybody, it's just a very welcoming experience to, to be a part of and it, it's pretty amazing. So I did Moms Together last year. I was super nervous to go. I didn't know anybody. I didn't feel good enough. I walk in and I was like, this is gonna be scary, but it ended up being my favorite day of the whole month. I ended up doing every session. I met great women. I got their numbers. One of them's a good friend now. We go for walks and like the forest preserve together and talk about God and yeah, it's like a, it's a very special morning. Yeah, we have two little girls. We have a six and a seven year old and they absolutely love Sunday mornings. Um, we did VBS over the summer and they were ecstatic for that. Like we'd pick them up and they'd be beaming, like can't wait to tell us what they learned. And yeah, Sunday mornings, they're all about church. So the community spreads beyond this church and what the church is trying to do because we take a piece of this with us and every day and we just go out in the world and bring what Mill Creek offers to us and we bring that out into the world. Well, and it's not just us, because it reminds me that I got a Facebook message. Adeline had a friend who she was talking about Chapel Street too, and God, and then his mom messaged me and like, oh, tell me about your church. My son came home and he said that Adeline was telling him that she loves going to church and can I hear about it? So yeah, it's not just us, it's the kids like spreading the message too. I remember one of our first sermons that we came in, because you're trying to figure it all out as a new believer, like what do I have to do and is there a list and all this, and Sterling said there's two things, two things, love your God and love your neighbor, and I was like, I, we can do that, <laughs> right? Like let's just, let's just get good at that and great at that and let's do that, you know, and that's our focus and come in here and listen. So we get to spread the word of God out there and live the life Jesus wanted us to. I have to say that working with the kids, I volunteer in the nursery and the preschool room. Um, Libby, Libby has given me the opportunity to actually teach some of the lessons where I feel like it's been like, wow, someone believes in me that I can be teaching this stuff and I'm learning with the kids as I'm teaching the lesson and I feel like I'm taking away so much from it. So I just love this Libby. And also seeing like the high schoolers back there, like it gives me so much hope for our kids. Like I want our kids to be back there, like volunteering their time on a Sunday morning. It's very different than how we grew up. Yeah, we can, so, uh, I, I mean, praise God, right? And, and again, what I want us to hear in their story is that journey through the experience of grace, where they began to grow, where they realized they love Miss Libby, which that's true for all of us, right? And then just the, the way that they're making an impact. And, um, and, and again, praise be to God. And so as we um, conclude and respond in worship today, I want to just put up one more time the, um, the logo here. And if you're anything like me, you can look at this and it can be overwhelming to you. And I can start to think in all six of these areas, opportunities for me to grow. And when I do that, what often happens is I, I don't do any of it. And, and what I want to invite you into in this last song is just, and if you can in the, in, the, in the moment, is allow the Holy Spirit to just maybe reveal to you one area. What might be one next step for you? Um, and, and any one of, of these six G's, maybe it's, it's what we talked about today as signing up to serve somewhere or to, um, set up giving, start small, start one step, um, and, and ask the Lord to reveal, say, okay, in this, in my discipleship to you, in my growth as an apprentice of Jesus, where's one step that I could take? Would you stand and let's, uh, conclude in worship today.
Amen. That's it. Yeah, he has been so good to us, and we operate out of, of his grace to us. Next week, we're going to start the book of James together. So um, James has got, he's got some things to say. So we're going to work through that as a community together. If we could pray with you this morning, it's, it's a privilege to do that. Our prayer team is available. Um, our generosity boxes by our, our two side doors, if you came prepared to give again, um, we're so grateful for all the ways that you partner with us. Um, your generosity matters, and, and we appreciate you. Um, and now receive uh, this morning's benediction. Go in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the giver of all good gifts, whose generosity we live from and in. May we reflect it to the world around us, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.